a man talking about, oh, I want my Boaz. And you're like, but you ain't a Ruth. Yes. <laughs> and that's and so think... poignant. You're like, and I, I started thinking, I was like, well, am I a Ruth? And I was like, <laughs> am I a Ruth? I don't, I don't know. Because she went and decided to be a blessing to Naomi, mm-hmm. despite her grief. I'm still, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. And she was grieving. I am Sheree. And I'm Keisha. And welcome to Crooked, Tilted, and Transformed, where we explore the topic of emotional trauma, baggage, and how to be transformed by the renewing of our minds through a Christ-centered perspective. If you're feeling lost, stuck, or unsure of how to move forward, if you tried every way but the way, truth, and life, you're in the right place. On this podcast, we'll be sharing stories, practical tips, and biblical insights to help you navigate the difficult waters of emotional healing and find hope in the midst of your struggles. We believe that with God's help, we can all be transformed and find healing and restoration in our lives. So join us on this journey as we seek to grow closer to Christ and experience the freedom and transformation that only He can bring. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the first woman, Eve, her mistake and the power of choice, reflecting on regret and resolution in the new year. Ruth 1. Now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Emelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Malon and Kilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem and Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Emelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth, and they lived there about 10 years. Then both Malon and Kilion also died, and the woman was bereaved of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was, and her two daughter-in-laws with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to her mother's home, to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. For it is harder for me than for you, 
for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return from your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and where I am there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death departs you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the cities were stirred because of them. And the women said, It is Naomi. She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned with her, Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. So I want to talk about the traumatizing transitions that happen within the account of Ruth. Um, I don't know if it's been your experience, but it's been mine, that whenever we study the book of Ruth, that people like to jump in and really kind of gloss over these uh, transitions that are happening to get to what they feel is the meat of the story, and that is Ruth and Boaz marrying, right? And, and you know, they use it as a, a, a an account to teach young women how to find their Boaz and all this kind of stuff. But I, I want to talk about these important transitions that happen within this account. So first of all, Emelech and Naomi, they get up, they leave Bethlehem so that they can go to, um, well, they they can go somewhere where there's food. <laughs> um, why Elimelech cho- chooses Moab, I don't know, especially since uh, it's, it's um, you know, they, Moab and the Moabites, the Moabites have been um, well, traditionally enemies of the Israelites, okay? Because if you look at in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, we read about Balaam, uh, who is a, uh, he's not a false prophet, Okay. He's not false, but he's wicked. Okay. He does hear from God, but he is a wicked prophet that even though he hears from God, he chooses like to use it and, 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 and just be, uh, wicked and evil and manipulative with it. So that's a whole nother thing to talk about. Balaam wants his reward from the Moab king, Balak. He wants this, this reward that Balak has offered to, you know, if he, if he can help them stop these Israelites. Balaam can only tell Balak what God says, but in the end, he ends up, you know, telling King Balak and sharing with the Moab, Moabites how they can lead the Israelites away from God, and that's through prostitution and idolatry, all right? So, uh, so fast forward, Emelech is up in Moab with his wife, Naomi, two sons. And then after that, he dies. When you lose a spouse, I don't know how long they were married, but they had children. And that can be very, very traumatizing. Then after that, 10 years, you know, they're they're dwelling in Moab. Naomi doesn't leave. And her sons marry Moab women. And 
again, that's that's a very sticky, sticky situation that they're in, right? So they marry these Moabites. And then after that, both of Naomi's sons die. Third transition, right? So up and leaving from what you know, because of famine to a whole place, a new, a, a different place to where you're not really known, right? Then uh, second transition, Naomi's husband dies. Third transition, or you could actually say third and fourth transition, you know, her sons die, right? So one after the other, her sons die. Fifth transition, Orpah, one of uh, Naomi's um, daughter-in-law, leaves, right? And that's because Naomi tells, hey, I don't have anything for you. Even if I had children, would you wait for them to grow up so you could marry them? I don't think so. I'm too old to, you know, to, to help you with anything. So you should go back to your household. And so Orpa um, does what Naomi requests, but Ruth doesn't and stays. All right. So, you know, up, uprooting, uh, loss of spouse, loss of two sons, right? Those are some serious transitions and what causes Naomi to call herself Mara. Um, she has lost, she's gone through tremendous, tr- tremendous loss uh, through these transitions. Um, what, what do you think? So I would definitely have to agree with you about transitioning, uh, especially through the many losses. You know, when Orpa did decide to leave, um, that was another transition for her because, um, and we can only speculate because it's not spoken of, but it says that they wept when she had to depart. So again, that was another loss that she felt before even leaving Moab. Although, yes, she left with Ruth, um, she still left short um, what was considered a family member. So I think, and I do agree that, you know, people take the name that she called herself, Mara, um, lightly um, because she was definitely going through some pain and grieving because she had lost so much. You know, she lost her husband, her both of her sons and daughter-in-law, and then she comes back not knowing what there is to come back to. Um, that itself is a is a big transition. I'm just going from a place that you've been in because it said you know after her husband died, you know she stayed. They were there for ten more years, um, so that's a, a long time to be in one place and then just to uproot yourself and and leave. That has to be hard. Um, you know it's hard. Just any change is hard, but a change after that long because you become familiar and accustomed to that way. And then you're having to go back to a life you once left and relearn um, everything because, you know, times change. Um, I think it was just a big transition for her. I think that mm, it it must have been hard. I can only imagine um, the grief that she was feeling during all of that. That must have been a very tough transition for her. Right. So now, you know, after these these transitions, Ruth and Naomi are living a life of of loss or living life after loss, a great loss. Uh, Naomi has lost uh, a husband, a spouse and two sons and Ruth, her husband. Um, And, you know, not only that, they are two women um, and 
without men. So in this culture, that's it's a very dangerous uh, and precarious position to be in for Ruth and Naomi. Let's, when we look at verse 19 from, from chapter one in Ruth, it says, so they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came, when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? I think it's a very um, poignant um, point here that she says, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And during, you know, if you can think of times that you've lost something, a great loss, and, you know, that is something, you know, God, why me, right? That's that's usually what happens. Why is this happening? Why are you allowing this to happen? And so for her to feel like she's being dealt bitterly with, I think is, is a very, um, you know, it, it is is something that we should have compassion about. If you have ever lost some, someone or went through something of great grief or tragedy, then you would understand. Um, some people who, who approach this, um, you know, without compassion, I, I wonder what, um, what things have gone on in their lives to where they, you know, I guess they've been blessed to have not had great tragedy in their life. But, um, when we think about bitterness, so when you think about bitterness, what do you, first of all, what do you think of when you think of bitterness? So when I think about bitterness, the first thing that comes to mind is pain. Um, I feel like pain is what usually brings on the bitterness. You're hurting so badly that it just makes you bitter. Uh, I can only imagine Naomi's bitterness after losing so much. It's like she lost her whole life. Um, That was, that would, I, I, for me, it would make me bitter. Um, just losing everything that I had to cling to. Not everything. She still had God. But in the passage, it says she felt like the Almighty had dealt bitterly with her. I don't know. I I just can't even imagine being in that space. But I admire her for her strength in that time. Well, just having nothing to go back to. I admire um, the fact that Na- that Ruth came alongside her knowing again you spoke on how um, back then in those times it was unheard of to be unmarried um, because you're kind of having to fend for yourself so I can only imagine that that touches something I don't know that's a hard place that's a hard place and I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the at the scripture and it says the Almighty has afflicted me. That makes me wonder why she attributed to her loss to um, God dealing bitterly with her. And it just draws a lot of questions for me. Yeah, I think you really need to, you know, look at Naomi's view of God at this point um, with such great loss 
Um, and, and we tend to do that, right? We tend to say, hey, why me, God? Why are you doing this to me? So she feels that God is is dealing bitterly with her. Uh, and that's why she says that. And I think it's also very interesting and also very reassuring to, um, despite, despite the way that Naomi viewed God, he still viewed her as worthy of being saved, of being redeemed. One of the most, you know, famous phrases in the Bible, uh, well, for me, the one that's most memorable for me is when Ruth tells um, Naomi, where you go, I will go, right? Um, We can find that in chapter one, verse 14. Then she said, and and she is uh, Naomi, behold, your sister-in-law, she's talking about Orpah, has gone back to her people and her gods, return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse if anything but death parts you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. And just reading that, I seriously, I just, I kind of get, I get shivers and I get little tears up in my eyes because that loyalty, that love that Ruth has toward Naomi is just, don't you, having that type of partner in life, right? That, that partner on a journey when you're about to, especially when you're going through some really dark times in your life. And Naomi was going through some dark times. She's, she's lost her, her husband's, her husband not her husband she lost her husband and sons and now you know she's got to figure out okay how am I how am I going to survive and Ruth is there she's there in it through the thick of it and I remember you know when both you know Jared and I we've we've lost two sons and having him on this this grief journey with me and and I hopefully I him has been um such a blessing um and it in and when i think about the statistics statistics of marriages that break up after children die um it is it to me it gives um it is a loud sounding alarm of what satan does in the midst of grief as you can see you know naomi was pushing ruth away like i don't I don't, I have nothing here for you. She was, she did a whole spill to, to Orpa and Ruth about how I have nothing to give you. Uh, you're better off going somewhere else. Even if I, I'm too old uh, to get married. And if I could, if I, even if I could have children or sons, would you wait for them to grow up to marry them? No, I have nothing for you. Go away. Right. And so I wonder, you know, when we are dealing with, you know, really dark times, you know, how often we push people away and uh i really you know love that that ruth you know it it says orpah kissed naomi but ruth but ruth clung to her so we have people you know during have you ever lost something you've been dealing with something and people will come and you know give you those hugs and they'll come and give you those nice gestures but there'll be those people those friends that cling to you oh that right there 
that is a blessing. People who cling to you on that journey. What are your thoughts? So just a personal experience about um, a partner on the journey. Um, my, my Ruth, um, when I was deep in sin um, and was withdrawn from by the congregation, I think that was like a bitter point in time in life for me because um, I don't open up easily and I had kind of started establishing relationships within the congregation. And so when I was withdrawn from, uh, those relationships kind of dissolved as well. Um, and it left me feeling very, very bitter. But I had a friend who was the one that actually um, helped me to grow my faith. Uh, she, I can't say she stood beside me because she reminded me often that I was wrong and that I was living in sin. Um, but just the fact that she continued to do life with me was the greatest I found to be the greatest asset in me returning to the church um, having her in my life so I can only imagine with Naomi and Ruth how appreciative Naomi must have been to have someone like Ruth who because they came from two completely different backgrounds. Um, Naomi was from Bethlehem and Ruth was from Moab where, you know, Bethlehem, they served God and they believed in God. And in Moab, they served idols and worshiped several gods. Um, so, but Ruth was determined to go with Naomi, to do life with her and leave behind everything that she knew that she was accustomed to. And that had to be uh, this, the, I, although I, I, yes, we always think of Naomi and her loss, but at the same time, Ruth lost so much too. I would consider it a good loss. Um, she did lose the only life that she'd ever known, but how great of love did she have for Naomi to give up all that, to give up the only life she's ever known to go to a foreign land where she would be a foreigner and have to learn their ways and their customs. And I think that speaks um, just wonders of Ruth and her character and who she was as a person. Everybody wants the Boaz, but nobody wants to be Ruth. They want, they want that, that man, but yet like it, it's it's self-seeking, like that pride falls in there. Yeah. Because Ruth, according to what the scripture said, um, didn't seem to be prideful at all. She wasn't concerned about self. No. Like you said, you know, that's a strong statement to make. Like where you go, I go. Yeah. Where you know, you die, where you die, I die. Yeah. Like I'm here like, for you. Yes. Like talk about ride or die. That's ride or die for real. Like. Where you go, I go. Where you die, I die. Yeah. That's serious. And especially from someone from a different culture. Yes, that's who Naomi is, who she came to know because that was her mother-in-law. But their cultures were mm -hmm. countercultural. 
she she left all that. So that's another mm-hmm. thing, right? Ruth left mm-hmm. her old way of life and clung to God, you know, and cling, you know, clinging to Naomi. She, your God will be my God. She mm-hmm. completely flipped the way that she lived. A lot of Christians don't even do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm I'm gonna serve God, but I'm gonna hold on to these little things here. I feel like I need this, or you just really don't have trust in God. You don't have that trust. Went with Naomi and just trusted what what was gonna be. What was gonna be was gonna be. You know, so many women talking about, oh, I want my Boaz, <laughs> and you're like, but you ain't a Ruth. <laughs> yes. And I I started thinking, I was like, well, am I a Ruth? And I was like, am I a Ruth? I don't I don't know because mm-hmm. like. She went and decided to be a blessing to Naomi mm-hmm. despite her grief. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. And she was grieving. She mm-hmm. lost her husband too. Naomi, yes, lost you know her, her, her two sons on top of losing her husband some years back. All that brings back a flood of emotions. Right when I lost my sons was I was like, let me be a blessing to you. Mm. I was like, no, I'm trying to nurse my wife. <laughs> I'm just trying yeah. to make it. Let me wake up today. Let me see if we can mm-hmm. do that first. Let me uh, wake up and put some clothes on. Let me see if I can mm. brush my teeth. You know, uh, yeah. be presentable to people. Let me see if I can make that happen first. Oh, Maybe see. eat some food. <laughs> see, but that puts it in such perspective. Like yeah. when, when you say that, it's like, hey, how hard that must have been. Because she, yeah, she's grieving too. Mm-hmm. Like, how hard is it to just do simple things when you're grieving? Because you fall into like this depression yeah. and think about how hard it is to just function. Yeah. And then not only are you now, are you not only, or not only was Ruth functioning or trying to function, but she was also going alongside somebody else. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Shoot, I can barely take care of myself. I was barely making it. It was just like, let me, let me get up today while it's sunlight outside. Can I do that? <laughs> <laughs> let me, baby. It was no, it was not trying to be no blessing to nobody. I was just like, God help me through today. Let me, mm-hmm. all right, here's another day. Let me, let me, let me see if I can just sit up out of my bed and be good. So when we first started discussion, I was talking about the, the, uh, traumatic transitions that happen uh, within this account and I was saying I didn't you know I didn't really know why Elimelech chose Moab but as we do the study and I think about this more I think about God's providence his hand in it all from the beginning of it from from the beginning of this account um if you read in Deuteronomy chapter 23 two uh, verses two through three it says no one of illegitimate birth may enter the assembly of the Lord. None of his descendants, even to the 10th generation, may enter the assembly of the Lord. Verse 3, no Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord. None of their descendants, even to the 10th generation, may enter the assembly of the Lord. But Ruth coming back and Ruth clinging to Naomi, right? Because God knows our hearts. And he knew who Ruth was. And she clung to Naomi, took Naomi's God as her God, and went back. And, you know, the the whole marriage of Boaz and Ruth happened. And this was after the 10th generation. 
Obed was born and then gave birth to to um, Jesse, who gave birth to David. And Jesus is the line of David. I think that's just mind blowing that God's hand in redeeming, you know, this, the first of all, the tribe of Judah, Boaz was part of the tribe of Judah and Judah, um, verse two in Deuteronomy gives Judah, the line of Judah problem because of Tamar, uh, having to, you know, sleep with her father-in-law to, in, in, you know, to continue the line. So those, that was illegitimate, uh, children there. But, um, so that covers it, changes and, and, and brings forth away again Jesus comes to the line of Judah the line of David and make sure that all of us can be redeemed um but God's hand in it through it all I think that is just that's just mind-blowing and just really demonstrates God's love and his loyalty to us and and making sure that we can be reconciled to him so when I read the scripture the first time, I think my first thought was, why didn't Emelec consult God before going to Moab? Um, you know, why leave Judah and go to Moab? Like Judah was a place where the, the presence of God was. So why... I'm, the presence of God is everywhere. But I just didn't... I think one of the things that really baffled me was why Moab? Like, of all the places, why why that place? Um, and why without consulting God first? But then it was amazing to me to see how it all worked in God's favor. And isn't that kind of how life is? Like, we go... We, we do these things without consulting God, and yet his favor and his providence is still, um, it, it still comes. But I guess that shouldn't be that all that surprising, considering that he's an omniscient God. Like, he is everywhere and he knows everything. So he knows what we're going to do before we do it. So um, I just, I think that was... Um, one of the things that left me in awe was just seeing the grace of God or the goodness of God through all of that, even in going into, well, I, I say the goodness of all that, but I'm sure to someone like Naomi, it didn't feel good um, or because she stated herself that, you know, the Lord had felt dealt bitterly with her. Um, but if you look at the, when you look at the big picture, you can see, like I said, you can see God's hand in it and you can see his providence coming to pass. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, it really brings to mind for me the uh, verse in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, when it says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Ruth chapter 4, starting at verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, 
and he went into her. And the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a Redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. The neighbor woman gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. I want to talk about Naomi and the starting over, right? So she's lost again. Great loss should not be uh, passed over like it's nothing. Oh, you know, this is just a physical world and, you know, we're spiritual beings and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Yeah, but we live on earth right now. And those things are very real and should not be, uh, you know, treated like they are meaningless. So let's read in in Ruth chapter four, verse 14, it says, then the women said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today and may his name become uh, famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of of life and a sustainer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. And they're talking about Obed, uh, the baby. So I think the and the first thing that came to mind when I thought about them going back to Bethlehem was how long it must have took to get there. Like it was kind of, it, it just reminded me of um, like when Abraham, Abraham had to, uh, or he was going to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. It was like, how long did he have to think about like life? up until that point you know and now she's traveling back back to Bethlehem without the other people that she left with I can only imagine what the journey back had to be like I even looked it up to see how long of a trip it would have taken to get from Moab to Bethlehem and it would have taken seven to ten days on foot seven to ten days is a long time to think about everything that you've lost um, and it's a long time to allow that bitterness to build you know if you are experiencing bitterness if you have you know if you have experienced great loss great tragedy in your life and you know right you know that you are living a life of, of bitterness. You know, first, you want to acknowledge and validate those feelings. I think a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, I want to say spiritual uh, abuse um, is that people they won't acknowledge the feelings and won't validate them as feelings that they're having for the, for the bitterness, rather than pushing them aside or ignoring them. And that is what Naomi did. Naomi voiced right? Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for God has dealt bitterly, or the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. So she acknowledged and validate that what was going on. Um, And it's important to allow yourself to feel and express your emotion, um, because that is a healthy and cathartic process uh, for you. So one of the things that really struck me when I was, um, or not struck me, but one of the things that kind of sparked curiosity 
as I was reading through Ruth because it said that she um, went out to the fields um, until the end of the barley and the wheat season. Um, yeah, it says, so she stayed close by the maids of Boaz. And this is Ruth 2.23. So, so she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she lived there with her mother-in-law. And the question came, well, how long is barley and wheat season? Like, how long did she have to do that? Uh, so I had to look it up. And barley and wheat harvest takes place over two to three months. So I'm thinking, that's a long time to, I mean, she kind of lived, they lived in poverty for that long because they were, she, um, Ruth, no, Naomi was a widow. Although she lived on the land of Emelec, but their daily provisions to get by, because it even spoke of that, that Naomi would bring Ruth, no, Ruth would bring Naomi, her leftovers from when she would eat with Boaz's maids. Um, I just, that is a long time. But it, to me, that's a long time. That may seem like nothing to most people, but I would just think that that would be a long time to kind of sit and wait and see what happens. And then just the thoughts that they that they must have been having um, as the season was coming to a close, like what was going to happen next? How are they going to provide going forward? Um, I think going through any transition, I think those are things we think about even unintentionally you know, we, so we've made it, we've made it through. And I think often we forget God's provision through that time. Like that was two to three months that God provided for them. But going through a transition, we think about the transition, but we forget about the provision that is that has already been made. Oh my goodness. That is a word right there. We Remember the transition, but forget about the provisions. Oh my goodness. Yes, that yes. Practice gratitude. So one of the things, you know, that really struck me when Naomi said that she was uh, called me Mara and that she had came back um, empty. Yes, that is valid. But she also had a wonderful woman that came along with her. And that would be something to kind of focus on, to redirect, hey, I lost this, but I've gained this, right? So Ruth has already come along to come in and, and be loyal to Naomi, to help Naomi. She said, I'm going to live where you live. I'm going to die where you die. She was not going anywhere. So, if you know, practicing gratitude to regularly remind yourself of the things that you're grateful for. And also uh, reevaluate your, your view of God. So Naomi, you know, said that the Lord has dealt bitterly with her. I think that your uh, view of God really can change how you make it through, how you start over after these traumatic experiences. So I agree when starting over, it can be hard, especially after loss. It's, it's really hard to start over after loss um, with constant thoughts. You know, you see people who have what you've lost and it just takes you back to that place 
Yeah, so it's it's really important that you talk to someone uh, like a, a trusted friend or family member, a therapist. I believe in Jesus and therapy. Uh, that can be a way to be helpful way to process your emotions and gain perspective of what you what you've gone through. Um, so they can provide a listening ear and help you find healthy ways to cope with your feelings. And and of course, practicing self care cannot be said enough. You know, take some time to care for yourself physically and emotionally. Your emotional well being can help you cope with negative emotions uh, such as bitterness. So uh, this you know. Make sure you're getting enough sleep and you're eating well, you're exercising, that you're engaging in activities that that bring you happiness and relaxation, right? Personal story um, that happened recently um, as I started a weight loss journey, trying to get healthier. I was talking to a therapist and I know all the right things to do. I just don't have the willpower to do it. And she corrected me and she said that it's not about willpower. She said, because it's not you. She said, God says the, the last fruit of the spirit that is mentioned is self-control. And she said, you know, I believe that God put self-control last because it's the hardest thing to achieve. It's one of the harder fruit, fruits of the spirit to achieve. And I was so thankful for her in that moment something so simple as willpower me thinking of willpower because that place that puts me in control and i'm not in control of anything it's god's in control and through the fruit of the spirit he's going to allow his spirit is going to help me overcome these things so i definitely agree that it is important to um, seek a therapist who is grounded in god's word and practice forgiveness so no one likes to talk really about forgiveness. It's a really hard thing to do for a lot of people. But forgiveness does not mean that you're condoning someone's behavior or you're excusing what they did. You are following the commandment of God. God says, if someone comes to you and repents, key phrase, if they come to you and repent, then you forgive. All right. This can be difficult, but it can also be liberating and can help you move past feelings of bitterness. And you also want to seek resolution, right? So this might involve talking things through with the person involved, seeking um, meditation or counseling or finding a way to move forward that works for both parties. I think prevention is the best way, right? So again, practice that forgiveness, uh, always practicing forgiveness as a good prevention of bitterness, communicating openly and honestly. So if something is bothering you, you really want to try to address, address it with that person directly, right? Bring it to their attention. Hey, this is what happened. It says that, you know, if someone uh, sins against you, rebuke them um, and, 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 and let them know, hey, this is what happened. And Clear communication can help prevent misunderstandings and reduce the likelihood of resentment or anger building up over time. And we see this pattern of forgiveness in the story being played out in the in their account of Ruth. We see, you know, there was a there was a sin committed. There was a sin done in regards to the Moabites and the tribe of Judah um, found in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses two and three. This this sin that is needing to be uh, resolved. And then you see that there's willingness to forgive. There's a willingness to move forward. Then there is 
actual repentance so that forgiveness can be done and the the turning of, of, you know, you see Ruth clinging, turning to God, right? And then there's reconciliation and not just, you know, Ruth and, and her spirituality, but it, it, it paves the way for so many others to be reconciled as well. So, you know, your transition, it can mean not just, you know, something bigger for you. And, and that's why it's so important to combat the bitterness, but not, you know, something much bigger for all of us, for so many other people involved. I think, and I, don't, I think people who are following after this, if you hurt me, then I need to leave you alone and we don't need to reconcile. That is that if you're a Christian, you're doing that, then you are definitely um, not being salty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you have no that flavor that that difference mm-hmm. that you have in the world that's a big huge difference because people are definitely falling after self 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 you hurt me you don't get to be a part of my life period and so there's no difference in that agreed period. agreed Thank you for joining us during the episode of Crooked, Tilted, and Transformed when you've tried every way but the way, the truth, and the life. Leave us some comments uh, about what you thought about the podcast. Be, be nice. Be gentle. Yeah, be nice. <laughs> Remember, this is a Christian. This is a Christian podcast. <laughs> Are you struggling with emotional baggage or trauma that is holding you back from living a full and healthy life? Then it's time to take action. Visit our website to learn more about how our Christ-centered teachings and trainings, along with additional support from a multi-certified Christian life coach and a like-minded community, can help you find freedom and healing. Don't let your past struggles dictate your future any longer. Take the first step towards a brighter tomorrow and visit us now. Click the link to our website for more information. Did you enjoy our show? If so, take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We publish every two weeks and look forward to you joining us for our next episode. This podcast was created by Cherie Kamen. It was produced and recorded by Cherie Kamen, researched by Lakeisha Awafeso and Cherie Kamen, and edited by Cherie Kamen. Crooked, Tilted, and Transformed is a product of Creative Call Marketing.